walk in this dark world. Oh, Lord, show us. Show us your light as we look in your word. Teach us, Lord. Show us you. Lord, we're made in your image. We've fallen away. But now, Lord, we ask you to mold us and make us into what you would have us to be for your glory. Lord, here we are. We pour ourselves out. Teach us, Lord. Come into our hearts and our minds and all that we say and do here for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I'm so glad to be here this morning. You know what? The last thing we said was he is risen. So is that still going on? He is risen. He is risen indeed, isn't he? Uh, our Lord and Savior is risen today. He's still alive. Uh, you know, like, you know, I was thinking when I was preparing this sermon. We're going to talk this morning. We're going to start in, in Acts. And we're going to start going through that because, you know, we started our walk before. We, we actually, when, it, when we first started three weeks or before Easter, whenever that, yeah, yeah, forgive me. I, but... We started that walk. We were walking with Jesus, and we walked with him towards Jerusalem. And, and, and we, we wanted to we watched him walk to the cross, and we watched him die. But praise the Lord, last week we saw him alive again, didn't we? And he lives today. So you know what? It's only right that we continue that walk with Jesus. That's why we're going to start in Acts this week, because Jesus walked to the cross. He died. But he is alive, and he keeps on going. See, unlike, this is what I was thinking about when I was preparing this sermon, unlike a, the world says, you know, there's been a lot of people that have changed the world. They, they've changed our minds and the way that we live and the way that we think. You know, I think about the, the Greeks. You know, that we had Aristotle and Plato and Socrates and all these great minds. You know, so, so but, hmm, they died, didn't they? Jesus is still at work. He's still alive and he's still here. Mm. But we have a world around us that's still trying to listen to the Greeks, I'm afraid. But they're still trying to listen to the way the world thinks. You know, matter of fact, our, everyone here, but believe it or not, I'm going to tell you something. This is not in my notes. So we're, we're all actually slaves to this Aristotelian thought process. You didn't know that, did you? We, we think everything's in a, in a we, we think like that. We have to have everything in a form and a purpose and, and all that. So you were kind of, we can't really think the way that the Hebrews thought. It's a Semitic process, thought process. It's a whole lot different. It's okay. I'm a card-carrying Aristotelian myself, too. So you know that. I have to have everything in a form and I have to have everything. So, you know, I, I, I get all that. But here's the thing. I, I think that the world... They're trying to think about us, Christians, with this mindset, this world mindset, this form. Am I following? Am I making sense here? Are you following me? They're still trying to figure out who we are as Christians. Even after last week, I don't think people really understand what Christianity is. What is our purpose? What are we here to do? We're going to find that. As we go through Acts, we're going to find out exactly what, how the first church did it, how Jesus said to do it. And there's a lot of people that are saying, wait a minute, we can't go back to first church. We can't be doing that because, you see, that was 2,000 years ago. Hmm. Do you believe that? 
You know, I, I got in a conversation, and I really am off schedule here. I got in a conversation th- th- this week with, with, with some pastors that I meet with um, every week, and they're really talking about, you know, we can't go back to the first church. We can't do that because that was 2,000 years ago, and the church has changed. Well, let me tell you what. And they said, you know what? And we're sinners. A whole lot different than the sinners back then. <laughs> Whoa. Let me tell you what, sin has not changed. But neither has Jesus. Neither has God. The sin is the same today as it was back then, but our God is still the same, and he still overcomes that sin, doesn't he? Amen. Seems to be, though, a lot of confusion in the church about what the gospel is. Hmm. A lot of people are confused. And you know what? It's not just the church, the, the people outside of the church that are confused. There's a lot of people in the church that are confused about what the gospel is. Ask around. You know, do your own poll. Ask somebody. You don't have to wait on Pew or whoever does your polls for you. You, you don't have to wait on that to, to, to figure it all out. Ask somebody. You know, what is the gospel? What are we doing here? What, what are we doing to, to, to share the gospel? Um, you're going to find, I think, that here's what I wrote this down so I'll be good sure and get it right. That they... they if you take your own poll, they're going to say, you're going to find a lot of people may think that Christianity is a teaching to give us some sort of moral compass, you know, some, some place that we're going morally. Um, and it, it's all based on what the majority thinks. That's, what, that's the social aspect of it, isn't it? And, uh, so, some have these philosophical minds. and uh, um, yeah. They see Christianity as this optimistic life view. You know, it's going to move us up to some higher plane, right? Uh-huh. That's actually what a lot of people think, and it's a lot of what they're taught. You, you can go through all these grand definitions of what Christianity really is, but without Jesus, personally, it won't work. It's all about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Which a lot of people say, oh, you can't really have a personal relationship. What do you mean you can't do that? Yes, you can. Jesus died so that we could do that. And here's the thing. When I talk to those people... All of them have an opinion about what it takes to fix the church. What's going to make it better? Oh, boy, you probably met some of those, too, I bet, hadn't you? And I'm not here to to debate denominational lines or or institutional religion the way that that it's been done. I'm not not, not going to get into that argument with anybody. I'm not here. I'm not really a troublemaker, although some people might argue that. I don't think anybody has the right to determine how the church is organized or how the church is going to go forward except Jesus Christ and him only. That's why I think we need to go back to Acts. I think we need to go back and see exactly the way that Jesus commissioned the church or sent the church out uh, to be done or his kingdom to be perfect. And here's the thing. I get a lot of people say, whoa, 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 whoa. We have 2,000 years of history. Shouldn't we go back and look at all of that? Let me tell you what. I've got to tell you. There's a whole lot in that history, and I've studied a lot of history, church history. That's part of my degree. And I've got to tell you, I'm not sure all of that was Christian, <laughs> uh, the way that the church was done. I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Um, so here's the thing. God gave us his word, and he tells us everything that we need to know about him. Would you agree with that? Did we lose all those amens from last week? Yeah. Yeah, okay, thank you for that. It is, isn't it true? 
God's word. That, that's his letter to us, how, how things are, how he, so we can see him. So here's what I say. Let's open God's word and see what he says. Okay? So let's do that. Of the four gospels, you know, there's four gospels, but one Jesus. There's four gospels, and the historian in, in the gospel proclaiming group is Luke. Did you know that? You know that. Luke um, actually wrote, if you go and you count the words in the original language, actually Luke, Luke wrote more wood words than anybody else in the New Testament. Yeah, you didn't know that, did you? Between Luke, the gospel and any other one man. Um, if you look at Luke, the gospel, I call that Luke 1. And then he followed that with Acts, I call that Luke 2. He begins both of them with, Old Theophilus. He's talking to a man named Theophilus. Now, and he's, and Theophilus, let me tell you one quick, quick thing. We don't really know much about Theophilus other than probably he was a man of influence. He was a man of culture. He, he was educated. because, And he was in some sort of position to where he really was interested in what these Christians are doing. They're starting this whole new church. It's changing the world. Oh, my goodness. What's going on? I need to know what's going on. So he said, he, could, he said, I wanted to ask somebody who's in his peer group. He chose Luke. Luke was a doctor. He was well-educated. Uh, he was traveling around with this guy named Paul, who was really well-educated, uh, one of the finest Jewish minds alive at the time, star student of Gamaliel. He was one of the greatest Jewish guys that ever taught. So he chose Luke. Luke, tell me what's going on. So Luke's out there. He's walking around with Paul and, and, and uh, doing all these great things in the gospel. And he says, I'm going to tell you, Theophilus. I'm going to tell you exactly what this Luke did, I mean, what Jesus did. And he tells us that in the gospel. So the first part is about Jesus' life, the gospel of Luke, from Jesus being born up to the resurrection. And then he starts with Acts, and he says, Oh, Theophilus, let me tell you what he began. But here's the way we're going to go on with it. I'm going to tell you how God's going on with the church. You know why? Because Jesus is alive. He continues to work. This is amazing. So he, he gives, and, and here's another thing I want you to know when you read this. We've got a lot of people say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We don't know this is facts. Yes, we do. Let me tell you something about what they're, they're, they built everything on their name back then. Remember Matthew 28? I'm going to quote that again here a little bit later on. But he says, do that in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. <coughs> the name was a concept back then that we don't have today. Your name was one of the most important things that you had. Your name known in the world, if it ever got botched, it, you probably couldn't fix it. Matter of fact, there's some parts in the, in the Hebrew text that says it can go on for several generations with your name all lost and messed up. So Theophilus sends Luke out, and Luke is telling him what is the facts based on his name and on their name. Does that make sense? You, you see the contrast here? Today, you know, if you, if you get a bad name, you just get on the Internet especially, just change it. You know, you're a whole different person. I love that old country western song where the guy says, you know what, I live at home with my mom. I'm 40 years old. I'm fat and ugly. But on the internet, I'm a hero. <laughs> he just changed his name. Get it? They couldn't do that back then. They didn't have all that all that way to to get around it. So, 
So Luke is telling Theophilus the story of the church that Jesus Christ, of his church. Aha. That's where we need to be, don't you agree? So let's see what it says. So what did Luke tell him? Let me tell you. Here's the cliff notes. Everybody knows what cliff notes are. I got to think about that. Okay. I don't know. I said that something after never. Some people don't know what cliff notes are, but sometimes it gives away my age. Let me tell you what. Here's what he said. There's this, he's telling the office, there's a small group in, in uh, Jerusalem that the Jewish authorities considered to be nobodies. The Jewish, well, they were in charge of everything. They're unimportant. None of them were educated. Matter of fact, they spent all their time fishing. <laughs> I joined them. They didn't have any political influence. They didn't have any big advertising campaign going on. Uh, they didn't have any politicians they could pay at the, you know, down at the courts to get any laws passed. They, so they didn't have any political clout. Didn't have any marketing clout. I mean, come on, these guys are worth nothing. So we don't even pay any attention to them. They don't even have a lobbyist. I mean, come on, what are they doing? So these powerless nobodies, Luke says, in Acts seventeen six. Turn the world upside down. Huh. How about that? Nobody's turned the world. Where'd they get that power? We know. We know the answer to that one, don't we? Does that sound like an exaggeration? They turned the world upside down to you and me? Hmm. Uh-uh. It took two centuries for these nobodies in the gospel of Jesus Christ to bring the Rome to its knees. Two centuries, the church, the Christian church, was the most powerful force in Rome. Remember when we were talking about last week, about how they thought that Jesus, the Messiah, was coming to kick the Romans out, but he, he was killed by them? Uh-uh. He's alive. And in the third century, Constantine, who was the emperor of Rome, declared Rome to be a Christian nation, a Christian empire. Huh. Who won? Jesus always wins. That's the answer. You know that? Yeah. Matter of fact, I'll tell you a little secret. In seminary, uh, all of us, our students, when, when um, there was always a trick question. They would, when you're studying the Bible, they would say, what is this story about? Let me tell you the, the answer to every question when they ask you, what is the story? What is Job about? What, what is you know, Noah's story? You know what it's about? God. It's always the answer. Everything points to him, doesn't it? Jesus wins. He always does. Is he winning in your life? Hmm? Is he reigning in your life? Let me tell you, if he's not, he may be, and you may just not know it. Jesus always wins. If he's in charge of your life, let him win. Um, Okay. Christian... Christianity itself is a phenomenon in all of history. There is no historian that can take Christianity out of the equation when you're studying world history. It's just not right. It can't happen. It's the greatest phenomenon I think that ever happened. And that's why we need to go back to the book of Acts. That's why we need to go back and, and to understand Christianity and what it really is. We are who we are in this world. The explanation of how the church uh, has withstood the world and all its pressures, the sin, Satan, all those things that are going out there that didn't re- really want to recognize. 
we're going to find in the book of Acts sending the church out. That's you and me. Everybody here in the church? Everybody here? Okay, we're all doing this together. Okay, good. So here's what, what Luke said. In, in the first in his gospel, he says, you know what? Um, I told you about all these miracles. Let me tell you about the first one. The first one he, and he gives the full account of Jesus being born. The miracle of his birth. There's angels singing. These are facts now. You understand that? These are being presented as facts. And there are also facts in secular history, a lot of them too. Extra biblical history, we'll call it that. It, it, it's, it's real. And, really, and he's proclaiming. He says when it's happening, these angels are proclaiming that he's coming from God. So Jesus really is who he says he is. And then he says he told them about all of his miracles. Facts. Facts. You know, what mountains today say, we can't believe in miracles. We're scientific people. You know, we, we can't prove that. We can't see it. So um, it's because it's not in front of us, we can't see it, right? Mm-mm. These are facts. And these are facts that were presented then and we can count on them today, too. You believe these miracles? I do. You know why? Because I've seen miracles in today's, in today, that could only be from God. And it's by people placing their faith in Him and Him only. I've seen those miracles. You have, too. I see a lot of heads agreeing with that. Those are okay. It's amens, too. I'll take that. <laughs> And then he says, oh, Theophilus, he walked among us. And then here, when it came time, his enemies wrote, he saw them in Jerusalem, and he went to them. And he died. And he was buried. That's how we know he was really dead. And he rose again. And people saw him. They saw him a lot. These are facts. You got this? These are facts. We can't argue with this. I can't. And then he says, Theophilus, Here's, I wrote to you in the book of Luke, his first book. He said, I wrote to you about the work he began. You know what? He began it. Now, let's put this together. Jesus began the work. He died. He rose from the grave. And he's still here. He's not finished. He still has work to do. And he's alive. Oh. So, that's what we need to talk through. This book of Acts. The gospel story is what he began to do. <laughs> he's alive and he's still working. And the message is just not, not about what he has done, but it's what he's doing and what he continues to do. That's the church. That's Christianity, isn't it? Okay. So what is he still doing? Well, we'll find in Acts that he, he's still seated at the right hand of God. Do you believe that? Jesus is alive and he's seated at the right hand of God in all of his glory, even today. And after the resurrections, he told them this. He says, ha-ha, I love this part. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So having gone out into the world, and you are going, having gone out into the world, make disciples of all nations, of all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, telling them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, that that word behold means look. Look at me. Jesus is talking to him about this sin. And look, I am with you always. And then he ascends into heaven. Whoa. He's with us always. Hmm. Even to the end of the age. 
So the disciples were to go out into the world and teach all people groups. That's all nations, ethnos, whatever you want to call that. That's what the word is. And that means the gospel is not in the hands of the TV. It's not in the hands of the Internet. It's not in the hands of the government. It's in Jesus' hands, in his nail-scarred hands. And he sent us out to tell them about who he is, this person of Jesus. And in Acts, we're going to see Jesus using his authority that's been given to him and the power that he has by sending his Holy Spirit to empower men to build the kingdom. That offer is made to you and me, folks. You're going to see a lot of people argue, say, well, you know, he he empowered these disciples to do miracles, but not me. (laughs) You better watch. You better watch closely. Um, You know, we're going to see when Peter and John, they go into the temple prayer time. They're still in Jerusalem. And they're going in, and there's a, 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 a... a lame man. And not only do they heal him, God gives them the power. That's revealing his power. They give him the power to heal him. And this man didn't just get up and walk. He leapt and he ran, praying into the temple, giving glory to God. That's Christianity. That's, that's Jesus giving his authority and his power. Tell them about him. He had a personal relationship. This man found a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Through a miracle, yes, but he found it. That's Christianity. You know, that's not a a political solution, is it? It's not a a moral solution. It's not any kind of solution. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Let me tell you another great story. I love this one. We're going to see all this as we go through Acts. We're not stealing, Chuck. Ed, I'm not stealing any of your stuff here, okay? (laughs) Feel feel free to repeat. Okay, good. I love this story. There's... um, where you get to see Jesus for who he really is. Remember, he's left, right? He's ascended. We can't see him anymore. Hmm. And then there's this Jewish guy who, who was caught up in all of the, the Pharisaical church, you know, the institutionalized church of the day. And he went to the high priest, the guy who talks about you know, how to do everything legally, and he gets a warrant to go out and destroy Christ's church. He hated Jesus. He hated everything that was going on in his church. So he gets a warrant to go out, and, and he's going to... Actually, he has a warrant to... Um, it says, breathing threats and murder so that he could destroy the church. He hated the church. You know anybody out there that hates the church? I see it a lot on the news. Mm. He was going to go out and have them thrown in jail or even killed. He had a warrant to do that. As a matter of fact, we see in Acts 6 that he actually did have some of them were, were killed. By, and he sat at their feet and held them while they stoned uh, Stephen. But here's what happened to him. The living Jesus appeared to him on the road. And he saw this blinding light, right? And, and listen to Paul's testimony about what happened to him. On the way, a light from heaven, brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Uh, He's alive, isn't he? And he's still doing things in the world, isn't he? Hmm, that's amazing. 
But rise and stand upon your feet, Jesus says. I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen and to those in which I will appear to you. He's still appearing. Hmm. Delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles in whom I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Paul repented. And you know what? I, thank you. I didn't, I didn't make that clear last week. Repentance is a, main, is a major part of everything that Jesus ever... He had to turn away from... That's repenting. You know, admitting that it's guilt, uh, that wasn't good enough. He had to turn away from it. And when you turn away from that, you turn to whom? Jesus. He's, he's our salvation, is he not? That's an important part about being saved, isn't it? You have, to, you have to repent to turn away from the old life. And Paul did, and guess what happened? Jesus saved him. Look at all that Paul, how would a man who is as, as brilliant as Paul, who is as fervent as Paul, against the church how could he go through all the things that he went through for Jesus sake go read 2 Corinthians 11 sometime I'm not going to go through that this morning but read that sometime this guy Paul he was really he had a lot of problems didn't he all the while praising his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ how could anybody with a mind like that and a purpose like that given to him by the church turn away from all of that to Jesus Christ. With his life, it didn't even make any difference because he knew nothing could separate him from Jesus Christ, the love of Christ. Hmm. We know that too, don't we? You know what? We have a lot of trials. We have a lot of problems. But i got to tell you something. Jesus is with us all the time, isn't he? And he never leaves us. You know, there's times when we're actually standing alone. All that happened to Paul, too you know what? You don't have to worry about that, do you? If Jesus Christ is the one that's killed us, if he's the one that's empowering us and he is alive and he's doing that, you can know for certain you're saved. And nothing separates you from his love. Let's keep going. I'm off my script here. Forgive me. <laughs> so here's the thing. Jesus didn't stop working at the ascension, did he? Just because he disappeared. We can't see him physically anymore. He didn't, stop. he didn't stop working. He's still alive. And you know what? He still has that same authority in all of heaven and earth. Yeah, we know, I know this for certain, too. God keeps his promises. We've already established that, haven't we? He doesn't go back on his promises at all. He's the ultimate promise keeper. So there's nothing that Jesus can't do. He has all the authority in heaven and earth. And... There's nothing he can't do, and he still, listen to this, the last words there in, 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 uh, in uh, our scripture this morning, first uh, one through three, he's still speaking about the kingdom of God. Huh. What he began to do. Isn't that amazing? And here's the thing. He sent out a, sure, sure he sent out a small group of men at first, and, and he told them to go into the world and bear witness about me, but he didn't stop there. You know, those guys may be gone. He didn't stop. Hebrews 7.25 tells us that consequently he is able to save the uttermost those who draw to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. He's always there. He's always making intercession for us. Okay. He's taking his human nature back with him to heaven evidently. And, 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 And there he is seated at the right hand of God. 
He's our representative. He's our high priest. He intercedes, intercedes for you and me. And you know he's coming back someday. We know that one too, right? But right now he's still alive and he's still interceding for us. And you know what? He still lives in us through the Holy Spirit. Okay. And here's the thing. He takes our weak, our limp, worthless prayers, and he gives them to God, doesn't he? He hears us. No matter how weak our praying may be, you know, it's our heart he's looking at. And he intercedes for us right there at the throne of God. He doesn't just have God's ear. He's right there with you. He is God for that matter. We know that. We're reading John, don't we? Hmm. He still knows how weak and imperfect we are. And here's what he says in Hebrews again. He says, in every respect, has been tempted as we are. He's just as human. He knows everything about us as human, doesn't he? And yet he's without sin. And another thing he says in Hebrews, he says, because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Whew! I was worried about that one. Anybody here been tempted this week? Yeah. I, you know, yeah. Two hands. Thank you. I mean, raise both of mine too. Yeah. Amen. Jesus knows that. Oh, and he intercedes for us because he, he, he was tempted with the same things. Thank you, Lord. Oh, you know what? The book of Acts tells us about all the apostles and the, and the disciples going out into the world. That's you and me. We're out here in the world. This is where he's put us, by the way. I'm glad to be here. This is where he's been us. He sent us. And we're here to serve him. We're here for his glory. You know, we were talking earlier about worship. I, I've been in some worship services before. and I actually had a meeting one time. We were talking about worship. And, and some folks said, you know what? I want to sing the old songs. Well, I like the old songs. He said, why do you want to sing the old songs? Because they make me feel so good. How does it make Jesus feel? We sang a while ago. I, I love this worship in here. We sang to the glory of God, didn't we? Amen. Yeah. Were you singing to him with your heart? Yeah, I want to I make him happy. I want to I make him feel good this morning. And I, I believe we are. I believe we have when we were worshiping him because it's all for him and it's all for his glory. Uh, so you know what? Jesus didn't, didn't stop working. He's there interceding for us. In the book of Acts, it tells us all about the, pop, the, the disciples going out into the world. So when you read about them... In the New Testament, by the way, Acts, there's another thing. I should, I'm sorry. Help me here. Next week, Ed, make up for all these potholes I left. We, they're, or, or, Chuck, you're up next week. They're, um, you read about it in the rest of the New Testament. This book of Acts is the jumping off point for the rest of the New Testament. When you go and you read about Ephesus, you're going to find how Paul got there and what he was going through when he went there. And then you can read about the letter at Ephesus, Corinthians, you know. All of this is just the jumping off point. And even when he says he's on trial and all his friends turned away from him, look what he says. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So that the message might be fully proclaimed. Folks, the message is not about anything other than Jesus Christ. The person of Jesus Christ. 
Oh yeah, we're supposed to teach. He tells us that. You know, and we will. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about everything that Jesus teaches us. But the first thing we have to do is have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about the person. When you go and we read through all these other other books of the Bible and the New Testament, you're gonna find that they're talking about first thing they teach, the first thing they tell them about is Jesus. I don't want to tell you about what he taught. It's about Jesus. You need to know who he is. So let me tell you what he did and what he's doing. That's what this is all about. Can you do that? You know, when you go and you share the gospel at work and they see Jesus or something different in you, you say, yeah, well, let me tell you about Jesus. Or do you say, well, let me tell you what this, this law says. Mm. That won't work, will it? You've got to tell them about Jesus. You know him personally? Is he living in you? Oh, yeah. Do you know that love and that glory of Jesus living in you and you're bringing him glory by your life and your walk? Huh. That's what it's all about. Um, Paul's own testimony says, Jesus stood with me. All my friends left me, but Jesus stood with me. Mm, the Lord stood by me. And he was able to say after that to the church at Ephesus, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah, Christ is his strength. You know, not not something I some help I have. You know, my iPhone actually has all the scripture on it. You know, but it's Jesus that's standing by me. And, um, you know, we're going to find that as we go to every book of the Bible. And when you get to re- read the book of Revelation, you see that Jesus is indeed continuing His work personally with everybody. Um, his people are persecuted and killed when you when you read that part in uh, in Revelation. And you know what? The church seems to be going away. Uh oh. Hmm. But Jesus intervenes. You know, people are all worried right now about oh, the church is dying. I read the end of the book. It doesn't die. Yeah. Go ahead and read it. It's okay. You can read the whole thing. Read, read the end. As a matter of fact, you ought to tell everybody about the end. Because I know this. Just when they thought the church was going away, here comes Jesus riding in on that white horse. Uh, he's, he's taking everything back. He's taking us home. He comes back for us. And he takes all of his, his people back. And even now, he's saving us and his individuals out of this present evil world. And he's putting us into his own glorious kingdom, preparing us for the day that he's coming, and he will return. And listen to this. In Acts 1, he says, here's what he's telling them as they're looking at him as he's going to heaven. And he says, and while they're gazing into heaven, and he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And he said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. He's coming back. (laughs) And he's never left, really, has he? Uh, If you think that Jesus was finished when he died and was buried, listen to the message of Luke. In Luke and in Acts. And listen to the letter that he wrote to Theophilus. You know what? It wasn't just written to Theophilus. It was written to us. Is written to me. He will return, and he's going to come back in bodily fashion, I think, visible fashion, riding on the clouds of heaven and surrounded by holy angels. And you know what? 
He's going to judge the world in righteousness, and he's going to set up his glorious kingdom. And that one, there will be no end. This is the message of Christianity. This is who we are as Christians. We're here to tell them about Jesus. You know, this, we, we started some works here, as you know, in the, in the last year. And everybody there, when they run up against the world, they say, you know what? I'm not a preacher. But you know what they do? They point them to Jesus. Are you a pointer? Point them to Jesus. You have that personal relationship with him? Tell them about it. I hope people can see that in you and your life, wherever you are out in the world. Let them see Jesus in you and point them to him. Because you don't do it. You don't save people. Jesus does. You know what? Who, who saved you? Jesus Christ. Tell them about him. Tell them about the Savior, will you? Uh, that's the message of Christianity. It's about Jesus. Um, you think people out there need to be told about some new kind of program that's going to make us more aware, that's going to give us better living conditions, it's going to make the world easier to live in? Hmm. That's not our greatest need. Our greatest need is Jesus. That's what the world needs. So, if every one of us, you know, I was thinking about this, if somehow or another, by a miracle, if every one of us could win the, the lottery tomorrow, what would that do? Would that take away sin? Would that take away death? It wouldn't, would it? Hmm. Would that solve the problem of eternity for others? It wouldn't, would it? Lottery's not going to do that, so... I just threw my ticket away. Kidding. Uh, I'd never bought one. <laughs> so you'll never know. I've never bought one. That's another story. Um, the message of Christianity is not about improving the world. It's about changing people in spite of the world. And only Jesus can do that. And this Jesus, let me tell you what, he is alive and he's active today, and he's going to keep on being active until he returns and takes us all home. And then it's eternity, is it not? Amen. It is indeed. So that's the message of Christianity. And that's what turned the ancient world upside down, according to Luke. That's what did it. Jesus did it, telling them about him. So, you know, I want you this week, we're going to get into Acts, and we're going to really talk about it in depth and uh, boy I tell you what we, we came up with a preaching schedule you better be reading Acts <laughs> we're going to be talking about this and taking it apart you know why because it's about Jesus and it's the message that we're here to carry it's the only message there's no other message that to have so ask yourself if you read Acts this week I hope you will read it if you never read it before read it and if you read it before read it again you know, it's a good idea to just keep on reading. Read that whole thing. You know, if you, if you don't read God's Word regularly on a regular basis, you need to start. This is God's message. You know, if you don't have a schedule of reading through the Bible on a regular basis, let me know. We, we tried about every method there is, I think, hadn't we, Iris? We, 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 read it. we read it through every year. We're on a schedule. And it changes your life every time you do it. You think, how can we change anymore? He does. He's alive. So is his word. It's alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. It catches, it 
cuts any way you want it when you want to swing it, folks. It is true. It's very true. Matter of fact, the more I read it, the more, the more I know it's true. The more it gets treasured in my heart, its truth does. The truth of Jesus Christ. So read this thing. We're going to be doing Acts for a while. It's in charge of that schedule, I think, right? Okay, buddy, it's not your fault. We're, we're going we're, we're gonna to read through, through Acts. Read it. Oh, read it again and again. And then you know what? It might just point you to other, part, other letters in the Bible, other parts of the Bible. That's okay, too. Read that, too. It's written there for us. But this is exciting stuff. It really is exciting. And when you read it, let me tell you something about reading God's Word. I know it to be true. When you read it, don't you dare read it because this is the schedule and it's time and i got to get going. Don't ever read it without the Holy Spirit. You ask God to come into your heart and expose it to you. And he will. The truth. And if there's a part there that you don't understand, you think it conflicts with something else, stop and ask him to explain it to you. And if he doesn't, we tell you, he might not explain it all to you at once. Huh, amazing. He will. And you will understand that the more you walk with him and the more he tries it in your life. This, this word actually needs to be tried in your life. That's why we have these trials, isn't it? And what it does, it just makes it closer to him, makes you closer to him. Through God's word. Okay, enough about that. That's that's not an ad for the Bible. That's something I think you really need to know. Um, so what does this message mean to you? That's what you should be asking yourself, this message of Christianity when you're reading through God's word. And, and, and what do you think the church really is all about? What is the business of the church? That's something we've kind of done in modern days, isn't it? We've turned it into a business. So what is the business of the church? And, you know, is it so I can have more inspiring sermons, so I can, I can have, you know, better PowerPoints or better videos or something like that? Mm-mm. Let me tell you what. Think about that. Ask that question when you're reading this. What is Jesus, what is God's word saying to you when you read it, when you read it with him? Um, Here's another thing we need to be asking. Is this Christianity something that we just do on Sunday mornings? Is it something you just do in your Bible reading? You know, I, I saw this last week. A lot of people, Easter was over, and they went back to work on Monday. <laughs> and I don't think anybody went in to work that I know about on Monday morning and said, He is risen. Hmm. You know, maybe they need to see that in you. Christianity is not something that we just claim on occasion. It's something that we live and we're dedicated to in all that we do. So here's the thing. Ask yourself, is it burning in your heart? I love that song we sang earlier. Is it burning in your heart? You know, do you have this insatiable desire, an unquenchable thirst for, for our Lord Jesus Christ and for his life? Ask yourself that. Because let me tell you what, if you want that, you should have it. He'll give it to you. Hang on tight. It's hard out there in the world, isn't it? He never leaves you. You may find yourself standing alone, but here's the thing. You're standing with Jesus. He has all authority on heaven and earth, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. That's what Christianity is all about. That's what we need to be seeing as we go through this in the next few weeks. Are you with me? will Will you commit to read Acts this week? Then here's the thing. If you have questions... 
I'll be glad to give you my number, Ed. You, you know, okay, yeah. Call, or let's come back and let's talk about it. We're here for him. We're here for his glory. We committed to that? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you for you. Lord, you are alive. You're alive right here in this room in hearts and souls. Praise you, Lord. Oh, Lord, I pray that everyone here has this, what we just said, such a hunger for you, it, it can't be satisfied, such a, a thirst for, for you for, in us, Lord, that it, a thirst that can't be quenched. Lord, we want you, and you're here. So, Lord, make us what you would have us to be. Lord, teach us as we look into your word, as we commit to, to, to really knowing what you put us here to do. Oh, Lord, we just we're poured out before you like a drink offering. I love that thing. Lord, we're just poured out with no boundaries because we know, Lord, you're going to take care of us. We're here for you. You made us. So, Lord, teach us as we study your word, as we study and live with you. Oh, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.